When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 390 of Sustainable Minimalist, a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist listening. All right, everybody, I'm going to just tell you up front, this is a comprehensive episode. On today's show, we are discussing everything you need to know about being a more intentional pet owner. Specifically today, we're talking about dogs and cats. Now, I get an awful lot of messages and emails from all of you asking, what's the best cat litter for my cat? Or, can I make my own dog food or should I be worrying about PFAS in my dog's food bag, et cetera, et cetera, on and on. (laughs) You name it, I've probably been asked it. On today's very comprehensive episode, I am seeking to answer all these questions and more. Specifically in part one, we have a three-part show today. In part one, we're talking about pet food for both dogs and cats. Should we make it at home? Can they be vegan? All the things. Then in part two, we're talking about the cat litter. What should we be looking for? What should we be buying? What's most environmentally friendly? And then finally, in part three, we are seeking to answer the question once and for all, should our cats be indoor or outdoor cats? So that's what we're doing today. And before we get into it, two quick things. Number one is I hope your August challenge is going so well. Please follow along with me on Facebook or Instagram, both at Sustainable Minimalist. Things are going so well in my house. My kids are so motivated. They're still working on the trash. (laughs) They have a lot of trash, which says a lot about the state of my house at the moment. But Everything's going really well here, and I hope it's going the same for you. Housekeeping issue number two for today is that next week on the show is Back to School Week. So two episodes all about back to school. On Tuesday's episode, I'm bringing you an interview with an author and a child expert on getting our kids on track and ready to slay the new school year. That's on Tuesday. And then on Thursday's episode, we are tackling the school supplies conundrum, those back-to-school lists, all this waste. What are we sustainable minimalists to do? That's next Thursday's episode. All right, so pet lovers unite. Let's get into today's topic, which is all about, of course, our furry friends. The number one question I receive from you all when it comes to pets has to do with whether we should be transitioning our cats and dogs into plant-based diets. The reason being, because if raising animals for human 
consumption is so unbelievably detrimental to the planet. What are the implications of doing exactly that, raising animals to make dog and cat food? So the question, can dogs and cats eat vegan diets for sustainability reasons? The short answer is definitely not for cats and possibly, but you might not want to for dogs. So it's estimated that the carbon emitted from meat consumed by animals was responsible for dumping the equivalent of 64 million tons of carbon dioxide into the air every year. That's the equivalent of driving 13 million cars a year. So if we all fed our pets, our cats and dogs, vegan diets, vegan dog and cat food, we would theoretically be taking 13 million cars off the road. That sounds great, right? Well, according to the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, it is possible to keep dogs healthy on a plant-based diet, but it's very challenging. And a vegan diet is not ever appropriate at all, ever, bottom line, for a cat. Cats need to eat meat to survive. Their digestive systems are not geared to handle plant-based diets. Cats need the amino acid taurine to remain healthy. It's only found in animal-based sources. Cats with taurine deficiency can develop a heart issue in which the heart muscle becomes very weak and prevents the heart from pumping blood and supplying oxygen to the body. So don't even think about putting your cat on a vegan diet, please. Now, with regard to our dogs, dogs are omnivores, which means they can eat both meat and plant products. But it is indeed quite difficult to get the balance of essential nutrients right when trying to feed your dog a plant-based diet. If you are attempting this, you must not only get advice from any old veterinarian, it's highly suggested that you get advice from a veterinarian with board certification in veterinary nutrition. Now, there are some vegan pet food diet options that are commercially available. And if you're interested in this topic, you've likely seen them around, right? They're often supported by PETA. The advocates of plant-based diets for dogs often cite this 2022 study. It followed 2,500 dog owners. They filled out surveys on their pet's health. Half of the dogs ate a conventional meat-based diet. A third were fed raw meat and 13% were on vegan diets. The results of this study, of course, because plant-based advocates are citing it often, the results were that the dogs who ate conventional, normal kibble or food went to the vet more often than the raw meat and the vegan diet-fed dogs, okay? So that's why it's cited by plant-based advocates. However, this study does have limitations that these advocates do not mention, right? They keep it quiet on purpose. The limitations of this study, of course, are it was survey-based. It's not a randomized controlled trial. And even more concerning, in my opinion, as a dog owner, as a dog lover, is that this survey only followed the dogs for one year. Dogs live 10 years. 14 years. So what are the long-term effects of such diets on dogs? I'd like to see that research before we're shouting the importance of plant-based dogs from the rooftops. So the short answer to the plant-based pets is definitely no for cats, maybe 
for dogs, but it's challenging to make sure that they're getting all the nutrients they need. Let's move on to a question I received from Brandy. Brandy asked if PFAS substances in pet food bags. You've likely heard a lot about PFAS lately on this show, in the news, etc. The short answer is indeed yes, most pet food bags do contain PFAS. But so does so much else, right? So do our Teflon pans and our food packaging. So the packaging that our ultra-processed foods come in also have PFAS in it. So it's everywhere, right? That does not make it okay. In a recent study, the Environmental Working Group, the EWG, checked 11 bags of pet food and found that all of them contained PFAS, including some at extremely high levels. And if you're wondering why PFAS is in these bags, it's to help the bags repel the grease from the food. For cats, the highest levels of PFAS were detected in meow mix. The lowest levels were in blue buffalo and Rachel Ray Nutrish. So they still had PFAS, but lower levels. For dogs, the highest levels of PFAS were in kibbles and bits. The lower levels were found in Purina and Pedigree. Now, this study, it did not check the pet food for PFAS, just the bag. Although based on past research into PFAS, the chemicals do leach from human fast food wrappers, let's say, into the food. So it is likely we can assume that the PFAS from the bag does indeed leach into our cat and dog's food. Now, I should say here, no top pet food manufacturer has, as of yet, committed publicly to stop using PFAS in their packaging. Moving on to fresh pet food. I received this question. Is packaged fresh pet food, the kind that you would keep refrigerated, healthier for your pet? It's certainly more expensive, but is it healthier? Many fresh pet food brands are marketed as being, quote, human grade, or they say they, quote, don't contain fillers. But neither of those marketing statements means they're better or healthier than traditional pet food. The fillers that are referenced in pet food are grains and carbohydrates like corn, soy, or wheat. These often offer nutritional value to your pet. The veterinary experts at the end of the day when seeking to answer this question all come to the same consensus. And the consensus is this. It depends on the individual animal. There are benefits to traditional kibble. There are benefits to raw food. There are benefits to the refrigerated food. But the truth is, at the end of the day, each of us as pet owners need to consult our veterinarian to decide which food is best suited for our dog and cat's breed, age, activity level, and unique health concerns. So we can't just say that the more expensive bag that gets to go in the fridge as opposed to in the cabinet is healthier or more superior or human grade or whatever marketing statement we want to make on it, because the answer just isn't that simple. All right, we're moving on to another question I've received about pet food lately, which is, should we be making our own pet food? Okay, can I just say, (laughs) I can hardly make food for my family, (laughs) let alone make food for my dog and my cat. That's just me personally. But for those of you who 
really want to make your own pet food because it's healthier or cheaper or more environmentally friendly, this is for you. In 2013, researchers at the UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine analyzed the nutritional value of over 200 recipes for home-prepared dog food. What do you think they found? I'll just tell you. They found that very few of these recipes provided all the essential nutrients necessary to keep dogs healthy in the long term. Now, although this study was 10 years ago, it is the most recent study. It is also the largest study of nutritional value for homemade pet food recipes, and that's why I'm choosing to cite it today. The School of Veterinary Medicine at Tufts University, Tufts is in my backyard, hey Tufts, They have a clinical nutrition services branch, and they also state that the vast majority of pet food recipes that you and I make at home, they are deficient in one or more essential nutrients. And these inadequate levels of nutrients, they can have serious side effects that can take weeks or even years to show up. They also suggest that, you know, if you've been talking to your veterinarian about making your dog or cat's food, once you and your veterinarian get a good recipe, your veterinarian signs off on it, it is your job as the pet owner, as the person who loves your pet, to follow it exactly. Even seemingly benign substitutions, such as like swapping turkey out for chicken, let's say, that can dramatically alter the nutrients and calories in the diet. So you have to follow the recipe that your veterinarian signed off on to the letter if you are considering making your own pet food at home. The benefit, of course, to making pet food at home is that there would be no PFAS in the packaging, right? It may likely be cheaper. It may likely cut back on emissions costs associated with shipping these very heavy bags to your doorstep, assuming you have your dog or cat food shipped to your home. So there are environmental benefits, but let's make sure we're doing it the right way so we're not harming our pets. We're going to move on to some sustainable pet food options before we take our first break and then get into cat litter. We already discussed the plant-based conundrum, and let's just remind ourselves, never for cats, maybe possibly for dogs. Even with all that information, there are still ways you can reduce your pet's carbon footprint while still feeding them food with real meat, okay? Since beef and lamb produce much more greenhouse gas emissions than poultry, you can stick to pet food with poultry, so chicken, turkey, as the main meat source. That is an incredibly environmentally friendly action. Here are some other considerations when looking for sustainable pet food. Look into the company. How are workers and animals treated in the production of this food? Is it tested on animals? Is it made in factory farms? Is the fish MSC certified? You can also look at the ingredients. What's in it? How are ingredients sourced and processed? Think about the carbon footprint. How far away is this food produced? Another way of saying that is how many food miles away is it? Look at that packaging. Look at that PFAS-filled packaging. Does the company create packaging made from recycled fibers? Is the packaging even recyclable? And then finally, consider the organic and non-GMO questions, right? Is the food organic? Which again, is made without 
pesticides and artificial hormones and is always better for soil and planetary health. Are the crops in the product non-GMO? Because if they're GMO, they are potentially contributing to a loss of biodiversity and poor conditions for suppliers. Now, one other tip for you when being more intentional when feeding your pet is this. Authors of a recent study suggest feeding your pet as much dry food as possible. They found that a pet eating solely wet food as compared to dry food has a 689% higher carbon footprint. Holy moly. (laughs) The researchers claim that dry diets provide more energy per gram. And then when it comes to wet diets, the nutrition that these wet foods provide come from their high meat and water content, which also leads to high emissions. So let me just tell you about my dog for a minute. (laughs) Lucy, she's an 11-year-old lab. She will eat anything, but she particularly likes her kibble when I put some water in it. So if you have an animal, a cat, or a dog who's picky about their food, they need some moisture in it in order to enjoy it, just try it one day. Portion out the kibble and then put some water in it and see if it is liked by your pet. All right. I think we just covered everything there is to know about pet food. We're going to take our sponsor break and then we come back. We're going to talk about cat litter. Yes, we are. I'll see you in a minute. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. Before the break, we were discussing pet food. And during the break, I was thinking to myself, 
Uh, that was a long answer, but I'm not sure if it was a comprehensive answer. Those of you who are looking to be more eco-friendly or intentional or ethical in your pet food buying, I didn't give you any brands to support. So during the break, I thought about our B Corp episode, which came out on Tuesday. Definitely listen if you missed that one. But I went to bcorporation.net and I typed in pet food in the find a B Corp tab and about 20 brands came up. So following Mike Brown's suggestion, if you support a B Corp, that is a very simple but very impactful way to ensure that your purchase is supporting environmental wellness as well as human wellness. So if you're looking for a new pet food brand, definitely check out the B Corps and also, of course, check with your veterinarian. So now we are on to the cat litter problem. (laughs) Another question I get asked so often is cat litter. What should we be providing our cats with? If you've been listening to this show for a while, you can likely guess what it is. The cat litter that we should be providing our cats is one that biodegrades. So ones that are made from natural materials as opposed to synthetics. Natural materials being paper, corn, wheat, wood, walnuts, grass. Yes, all those items are available commercially as cat litter. I So I have a cat. She's 13. Actually, we had two cats. We had two kittens way back when, 13 years ago, and we didn't know anything about anything. We just bought the cheapest cat litter on the stores of the supermarket. We brought it home. So the clumpable ones, right? The clay litter, you know what it is. I absolutely hated the smell of it. We were living in a small Boston apartment. The litter box was really close to where we hung out, and I just couldn't stand the smell. So Without trying to be eco-friendly at all, we switched to pine, so feline pine. They're little um, pellets, I guess I would say. And I'm really happy that I did that because the pine, number one, it's a renewable source. It biodegrades. It doesn't smell. And my cat, so one passed away, the cat, the existing cat, appears to enjoy it. I do know and I see a lot in my Buy Nothing group people giving away this pine cat litter because their cats just revolt and refuse to use it. And so I say all this to say I know that's a significant concern for many cat owners. However, if you're getting a cat, why not just skip the clay litter altogether and go straight to a biodegradable one, right? Clay cat litter is not considered good for the environment at all because it's often not sustainably sourced. The clay for the litter must be mined, and the most frequent way of obtaining it is through strip mining. Now, silica cat litter, which is also known as silica sand or silica gel or crystal cat litter, it's made from mined quartz. And while the mining of the silicon dioxide is less environmentally damaging than strip mining for clay, it does require a lot of energy. And on top of that is the fact that silica cat litter is not biodegradable. Now, if you're looking for a specific cat litter suggestion, like what is eco-friendly, just tell me and I'll buy it. Well, treehugger.com suggests you support world's best cat litter. World's best cat litter, according to Treehugger, is its number one eco-friendly litter because it's made from corn, again, which is biodegradable. Now, I did receive a question from Brandy about a very specific type of cat litter called pretty litter. Pretty litter is 
a crystal litter. It's made out of those silica gel beads. I just mentioned that they're not biodegradable, so it's not recommended. Pretty Litter advertises itself as being great because the color changes based on whether your cat urinates on it or not. So it's easy to know when it needs to be changed. But Brandy, with regard to Pretty Litter, if your cat has a history of UTIs, it might be a good option. But otherwise, go with a biodegradable source if at all possible. Now, if you are trying to change your cat litter from a clay or silica-based source into a biodegradable one, I have some tips for you. Because again, this can be challenging. Do it gradually. Slowly start to mix in the new type of litter with the old type. And if your cat continues to use the litter box without issues, just gradually increase the amount of new litter. So don't surprise your cat. Cats can be quite temperamental. Don't surprise them and say, hey, look at this cool new pine litter. We got to slowly get them on board. We got to get their buy-in, right? Another way to eco-friendlyify the litter box is an eco-tip I received from a listener way back, and I apologize. I didn't keep your name written down. I'm so sorry. But the eco-tip was to use a leftover bag you have to scoop it up. So cereal bags, Amazon bags, paper bags, they're all fine. And if you have friends or relatives who still use plastic grocery bags, you can ask to use those for the cat litter. I've mentioned before that my in-laws still get the physical newspaper in a plastic bag thrown on their driveway every morning. Actually, they get two newspapers every morning, so that's two plastic bags every day. They are in the habit of putting them aside and saving them for us. I use them to pick up my dog poo when we're out on our walks, as well as the cat litter. Similarly, is that keeping a small trash can outside that is specifically used only for cat litter is a really smart way to reduce the frequency of which you have to put out your trash. So if you're putting the soiled cat litter into a smaller bag and then placing it into your main trash can that's within your home, you may very likely find that it smells quickly. Cat urine has a disgusting smell and so does the clay litter. And so you may find yourself taking out the trash in your home a lot more often. So putting the cat litter, the soiled cat litter, outside in a lidded trash can may prevent you from having to change your indoor trash can more often. Now, should we be composting or flushing our cat litter? The short answer to both these questions is heck no. (laughs) For flushing, municipal sewage treatment facilities are not set up to treat pet waste. So for your city's system to treat what you flush, they will need to separate the cat litter solids and send them to the landfill anyway. Cat poop, in addition, often contains toxoplasma, which is that organism that causes disease in humans and aquatic life. It's also the reason why if you're a pregnant woman, you're not supposed to change the litter box. By flushing cat poop, you are introducing these organisms into the water system. So do not flush your cat litter, please. Now, if you want to compost your cat poo, please proceed with caution. It can contain a specific parasitic protozoan that is highly dangerous to humans. And so the compost should only be used for non-edible plants, like your maybe your lawn or your rose bushes. And it should be allowed to sit for at least one year to kill off potential pathogens. Now, I know this section of the show was all about cat litter, but I just want to say here, too, if you have a dog, I have a dog as well, don't forget to pick up the dog poo. 
dog poo is not like cow manure. And the reason is that cows are herbivores. Dogs are omnivores. And so there are, again, parasites and other organisms in our dog poo, and we want to get it out of our neighborhoods, out of the natural environment, so other wildlife are not eating it, so that as it rains, these organisms are not drained into waterways. So very simple. Be a responsible dog owner. Pick up your dog poo, and thank you so much. This is a really long episode today, so we're going to take one more quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to answer the indoor cat versus outdoor cat conundrum once and for all. We're putting it to bed. I'll see you in one minute. Health is deeply human and it has to be personal. And that's why I am so happy to partner with Care Of. Care Of is there to help you find what works for you. It is a subscription service that ships high quality personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders to your door every single month. It is as simple as taking a short and in-depth quiz that takes about five minutes. It asks about your lifestyle and your health goals, and then you're given personalized doctor-backed recommendations for your lifestyle. The quiz was so easy for me to take. I feel like it really encapsulated everything I'm about and everything I'm looking to improve upon. I cannot wait, and you too can join me on my Care of Wellness journey. For 50% off your first Care of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code SUSTAINABLE50. That's TakeCareOf.com with code SUSTAINABLE50. And we're back. (laughs) What an episode today. We first talked about pet food, then we talked about cat litter, and now we're on to the indoor versus outdoor cat conundrum. I've heard it said both ways. Perhaps it's more environmentally friendly to keep your cat indoors where it won't hunt and kill wildlife. Or perhaps it's more environmentally friendly to allow your cat outdoors where there's less of that need for litter boxes and all of their associated environmental costs, like the plastic bags, like the clay litter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So which is better? For the cat's health, it's better to keep the cat indoors. For the environment, it's also better to keep your cat indoors. Now, why? Your cat's health is protected when they are indoor cats, largely because there's a major threat of getting rabies outside, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Depending on where you live, there's also the threat of being hunted and killed, and that's a whole nother story. I'll get to that in a minute as well. And when it comes to the environmental reasons associated with keeping your cat indoors, cats are hunters. Cats kill native wildlife, which reduces biodiversity. So keeping your cats indoors is the more environmentally friendly option. A recent study used data from the DC Cat Count, which is a survey in Washington, DC, that deployed 60 motion-activated wildlife cameras spread across 1,500 locations. The results showed that outdoor cats have an over 60% overlap in their territory with raccoons and opossums. This is extremely important because raccoons and opossums frequently carry rabies. The study also demonstrated that outdoor cats share the same spaces and hunt small native wildlife. 
gray squirrels, chipmunks, cottontail rabbits, groundhogs, white-footed mice. And by hunting these animals, cats reduce biodiversity and degrade overall ecosystem health. In the U.S., in case you're wondering, so you might just be thinking, oh, but my cat loves being outside, and oh, one cat, that's not that big of a deal. Who cares? In the United States, it's estimated that free-range domestic cats kill between 1.3 and 4 billion, with a B, billion birds every single year, and between 6 and 22 billion, with a B, mammals every year. So yeah, you may just have one cat who kills something once in a while, but all the free-range cats in the United States alone are killing billions of animals. And when billions of animals are dying prematurely so that our cats can roam outside, that has an environmental cost. Now, of course, you might be thinking to yourself, what about stray cats, feral cats? Yes, they kill an awful lot. They likely kill much more than our domestic cats. If you have homeless cats around you, please try not to feed them. You may think you're doing something nice and you're well-meaning by feeding these stray or feral cats, but when you feed them, you're allowing them to reproduce more quickly and you're contributing to the biodiversity loss problem. Now, when it comes to cat health, again, statistics show that indoor cats live longer and healthier lives than outdoor cats. Now, I should just say, quick little story time. This is such a long episode. Let's make it a little bit longer with a story. (laughs) Um, I have a cat, and she loves to go outside. She's an indoor cat, but anytime a door is slightly open, maybe not shut all the way, she sticks her paw in it, she opens it, and she runs outside. Last month, she got outside. We lost her. We lost her for over 24 hours. And I was certain that she was a goner. We have hawks. We have bald eagles. Somebody in our Facebook group, when she was missing, posted a video that their outdoor camera caught of a bald eagle swooping down, killing a cat, and then standing over the cat until it was safe for the bald eagle to fly away with the cat. And so I say all that to say, and by the way, we did get our cat back. My cat was not the one that was killed by the bald eagle. However, I say all that to say I hear often from my cat-loving friends that their cats are happier when they're outdoors and they want their cats to be happy and it's not right to cage them in the home, et cetera, et cetera. But it's quite simple. If you care about your cat, keep them indoors. And if you keep your cat outdoors, I still love you. But the research says keep your cat indoors. Let's just talk about toxoplasmosis one more time before we say goodbye. Free-roaming outdoor cats... Their poo contains toxoplasma. So when they are pooing outside, that toxoplasma within the poo can be contracted into wildlife and humans. One more reason to keep your cats indoors. When they're indoors, they're pooing in one place and the poo with the potential toxoplasma can be disposed of properly by you, the intentional and responsible cat owner. So what an episode today. I hope I answered all your pet-related questions. Show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 390. Next week on the show is, again, back to school week. Tuesday interview, Thursday school supplies, 
Drill Down. I will see you then. If you have any specific questions for Back to School Week, please send them over and I'll do my absolute best to address them. Hope you're challenged. Hope your August decluttering challenge is going well. Don't forget to tag me on social media. I want to see what you're decluttering. See you next week and take care.